You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series and syndicating for the A-List Online. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith and the interview subject I have coming up for you is Bobby Blitz Ellsworth of Overkill. The reason for the conversation is to promote their album, brand new one, which is due for release on the 22nd of February. It's called The Wings of War. So let's have a listen to what Blitz has to say. Here we go. Hello, mate. It's it's time for our... Hang on a sec. Let me oh, go on. You're right. Hello, brother. Hello, brother. It's time for our biannual chat. What's been happening? Keep it together. How's everything down there? I see that you're dressed appropriately. It's uh, 20 past six. Now, because I've uh, I've moved back into the homestead, so last time we spoke, I was on the Sunshine Coast, so I was about to go for a surf, mate, about this time of morning as well. But um, right about now, mate, I'm just uh, – it's 20 past six, and uh, I've got my peppermint tea in my hand here and uh, going to drop my daughter off to daycare after this. But I can't complain otherwise, mate, especially because I'm talking to your good self. <laughs> <laughs> You know how it is, mate. You know hey, you're, a, you're a charmer, I'll tell you that much. You're full well, of charm. I look forward to it. I look forward to our chats, and, and I know I can count on them because you are releasing albums at a prolific pace. So I've got to, mate, that's got to be my first question for you. Is So we, we spoke first about um, the album that you released in 2017. Um, now, I might... I might have a brain fade here, but The Grinding Gear, is that the name of the album? Or The Grinding Wheel, sorry. The Grinding Wheel. Wheel, yeah. Then we had a chat about your uh, tour of Australia. Okay, so I know that was a very successful tour, by the way. We didn't get an opportunity to chat about live, uh, the live album that you released, um, Live in Overhausen, but here we are now talking about this fabulous new album that you've got for everybody, uh, The Wings of War, which is coming out later on in February. February. So, mate, how do you, how do, you do it? Where's the energy come from? Well, it was it was back in the in the uh, in the eighties. They they only gave us two years to live, but they just keep moving it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think we're opportunists. I mean, I think that we're uh, the kind of people who uh, we put the most into uh, everything we can with regard to this band, and it probably carries over to other aspects of our life. But when when an opportunity arises, I think you put the most into it. Um, mm. And it's real simple. We'd we'd rather be writing new material than not be, yes. uh, and it obviously works for us because it keeps us visible. We're not the, uh, you know, we're not the uh, go-to on the satellite radios or uh, even on those who uh, who broadcast. Yep. But I think somewhere this works for us because it keeps us visible and it also keeps us fresh. It's not uh, a matter of oh, what did we do on that record uh, ten years ago? It's more like. What did we do two years ago? And let's not try not to do that. Hmm. And let's try to do something that's uh, a little bit more out of the box for us, which uh, I think we got on this one. I do. And, and probably the first thing that jumped out for me with the recording was the drum sound. So you got Jason from Shadows Fall and Flotsam and Jetsam. Well, he used to be in those bands, I should say. Now he's with you guys, mate. But his contribution is, is very good, mate. It's highly high quality and very notable. So did he uh, inspire the band in a particular way this time around would you say i think we actually inspired each other and i and the reason i say that is because we played uh, a year live with each other prior to recording which is you know that is uh invaluable uh, experience for both i mean we get to know mm. him he gets to know us uh i think the changes that are made in the studio when recording are anticipated uh based on what you know of the other um when yep. we started doing demos for this 
And Jason would, was the hardest working one in the demos. And I guess as it should be, he's a new guy. Yeah. I mean, it, mm. it, you know, if he's, he's the one who has the excitement and then, you know, spreads that fire to everyone else. And he was sending me Didi and Dave, you know, six, eight different cuts of each song. What do you think of this? What do you think of that? Mm. I changed this since the demo and was saying, shit, uh, we're going to have to embrace this change, man. And, and that will be uh, what the chemistry changes is that, He's changed to us and we've changed to him. And therefore, you know, one plus one plus one equals a new overkill. Mm-hmm. How um, is this the very beginning, the genesis of the promotional trail for the album? Have you already spoken to a few media outlets about it? Oh, I think I've done, uh, I usually do uh, 10 a day, two days a week. So this is probably, I'm up to about 40 at this point. Oh, wow. 40, okay. uh, 50, yeah. Jeez, okay. And what's the consensus yeah. been like? Because I assume a lot of the people that you speak to are quite knowledgeable about the band's music, I suppose. That's what I've taken from the interviews that I've read. I think so, too. I think that the, you know, the, uh, the journalists that, are, uh, that go after this kind of stuff or whose uh, publications or internet sites um, expose us are fans, uh, first and foremost, of, of this genre or even this subgenre. Uh, it seems that uh, to a couple of sentences, I hear uh, where you came from. Uh, I hear that it's new. Uh, I hear amazing drums that are quite bombastic, but I also hear a lot of melody. Uh, so the bombastic drums and the melody uh, has made, let's say, a third entity when added together. So mm. it's been thumbs up all the way around. What, were, were there any challenges in creating the album? So was there anything... Uh... That, that, that popped up that wasn't expected? Well, there's always sticking points. You know, there's always points that as songs develop, uh, you know, you may have uh, anticipated something to be different and then a change is made and, 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 and you have to be uh, objective and say, wait a second, that change is better than what I had already written for this. So I, I'm going to have to adjust to it. Uh, I think that that happens often on an album, but I think that that flexibility um, and let's say open-mindedness is what gives you, uh, let's say, uh, newer opportunities or changes within the record. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the most part, it was it was pretty simple. I mean, I had two or three sticking points. Um, uh, my one of my favorite songs on the record is the third cut called "Head of a Pin." Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds like Black Sabbath on, on great meth, uh, and it's <laughs> uh, it's just got this. Uh, I don't know. It was the hardest chorus for me to write, but when the chorus was done. Um, and that was because of the changes the guys made. Uh, when the chorus was done, it became my favorite song. So it was the hardest one I worked on. Okay. So but otherwise, no, no, no real pitfalls or anything. I mean, everything seemed to go relatively smooth. I mean, we, we have a formula we work within. Uh, Jason adapted to that formula perfectly, and we adapted to uh, his input on the record perfectly. Mm. And I had to do a double take, actually, because uh, the bio that I – received says that you recorded the drums at Shorefire Studios with one Joey DeMaio. So I think someone in the bio has got the name incorrect because it's actually Joe DeMaio and he definitely isn't the fellow in Man of War. <laughs> we always call him Joey. <laughs> oh, there you go. Oh, it is Joey. There you go. <laughs> I thought it might have been the Man of War guy, actually, and um, I was going to ask you if you know what the hell was going on with those guys since the news about Carl came out. But uh, no, it's a very different Joey DeMaio. I don't, uh, uh, I'm not in touch with them. I mean, I, I don't think I've had uh, spoke more than 10 sentences to uh, to them in all these years. 
I, I've spoke more to Ross the Boss uh, over the last two years or three years when he put his own band together because I keep running into him on festivals. But I, I know Joey just uh, backstage here and there. Yeah, and I've heard that a lot. It seems like as though the Man of War camp distanced themselves from other bands. And I'm with you, actually. The only person in the Man of War camp that I've had an opportunity to chat to is Ross the Boss. But Man of War famously have never visited Australia. Uh, they've certainly got some fans down here, although I'm not sure how many of those fans will stick around after the news about Carl came out, to be quite frank. Um, but, <laughs> I think you're probably right there. <laughs> it just came from came from out of nowhere, that one. That was, if you'd asked me at the beginning of 2018, which band would have been pinged for something like that, it don't, I don't think I would have said Manowar, and certainly not Carl, because uh, he's very, he seems like he's the quiet one in the band. I don't know, man. I, I guess you can't figure this stuff out, and I, I don't even want to comment on it. I, but I, I do know that it's uh, if 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 that happens, and it, and it was that one member, I think all regardless of the innocence of the rest, uh, which I'm, it, it still becomes a moniker that you wear somewhere, and that's uh, that's a shame that uh, love or hate the band. That's a shame that that has to be uh, something attached to them on on the way out of a long career. Yeah, well. Look, a band, you guys are a band that do come down to Australia, and we do appreciate that. So, um, mate, what were your thoughts on, on the shows? They were, I know that they were fantastic shows because the, the feedback and certainly the visuals that arrived, courtesy of photographers, were outstanding, mate. But what are your memories of those shows? They must be pretty fresh, those memories, and I hope the shows went over as well as what the fans felt they did for you. Uh, you, you. You have a certain bravado about yourself down there. You know, there's a certain... There's a certain type of uh, 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 friendliness and welcome to Australia. It's probably <laughs> the only place in the world that reminds me of Texas. And when, whenever I get to Texas, I always feel like I'm amongst the friendliest people. But for God's sake, if I fuck up once, I'm going to be out behind the woodshed. And I'm <laughs> going to hear one gun, one gunshot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can be but a bit I, like I, that. I, I, uh, what I'm saying in a very roundabout way is that I respect that very much, that you're um, uh, for sure uh, a people unto yourself on your own very, very big island um, um, and and uh, make foreigners uh, feel super welcome. I mean, you know, I and I think that if anybody has anything in common, it's uh, it's the East Coast Yanks, <laughs> the Australians. <laughs> Well, look, I tell you, I've I've been in the states a couple of times. I think I've shared with you in the past, and I love the East Coast. Actually, it's uh, love New York, love New Jersey, where you're from. I um, I wouldn't say I follow the NFL, your, your version of football over there, but I bought a bunch of Jet stuff when I was over there, which is probably not going to be your team if I'm if I'm not mistaken. So, so I do wear some Jet stuff around occasionally. It's surprising how many people over here actually pull me up on the street and want to talk to me about it. So there's there is some well, mutual camaraderie uh, there. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah, there's some mutual camaraderie there. I think a lot of Australians. I mean, it's it's very it's very easy to bump into Australian internationally these days. I think just about every country I've been to, I've bumped into a fellow Australian. And my wife, being half Filipino, we've travelled a lot through Asia, and you're inevitably bumping okay. bump, bumping into an Australian in a bar, but you also bump into uh, a lot of Americans. And I uh, I'm at university, made it ripe old age of forty. I'm a full-time university student again after uh, electing to uh, go for a career change and study journalism. And the uni that I go to, Bond Uni here on the Gold Coast, the I wouldn't say the majority, but a, a solid one-third of the students come from your part of the world. 
in the um oh, in really? the northeast there. Yeah, I, I think they're just coming over for exchange. So they're only coming over for a semester or thereabouts. Some of them do stick around for an entire degree. But uh, yeah, mate, we uh, we get along. We uh, we we have plenty in, a lot in common. Um, needless to say, we uh, oh well, I think they all drink a lot of beer together. I don't really do it too much anymore because I look at a beer and I put on weight. So I'm trying not to do too much more of that anymore. <laughs> I got a kick out of how you said, uh, you know, I mean, as you, as you travel around the world, you're always bump into an Australian in a bar. And it, sounds like, yes. it almost sounds like the beginning of a joke, right? Yeah, it is. You know, an American, uh, an Irishman, an Australian walk into a bar, what's going to happen? Well, I probably will get drunk together. That's what's going to bloody happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, mate, when, when you look at 2000... But, uh, oh, you're right. You go. You go, mate. I enjoyed my trips down there. I, I, I really enjoy and uh, get along quite famously with the people in uh, in your continent. I just think it's uh, we just have too much in common to not get along, mm. much like distant cousins. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And, uh, mate, 2019, I know the bio here tells me that you got six months blocked out for a tour of South America and also the United States. So, uh, I mean, that's pretty much, well, it's not most of it, it's six months of it, so it's half of it. But, mate, your year's pretty much sorted for you, isn't it? Pretty much. I mean, we uh, we also have Europe in there. So it's South America into Europe, into the U.S., into the festivals, uh, which brings us uh, just to the end of May and then uh, into June. So I guess it's more like four months, four and a half months. Uh, but then there's two more tours uh, blocked out um, in the autumn, a uh, second U.S. and a second European. Uh, mm. so, and we'll be picking up stuff along the way. It's, it's just a kind of the way we work is uh, put the big ones all together and then uh, – and then pick up stuff in the in the off time, whether it be festivals or one offs in Asia or you know a short Asian tour. Who knows an Australian tour? Who knows? Oh, awesome! Yeah, no, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, look, touring is still a lifeblood, isn't it? Really, if you're not out there on the road, you're not spreading the word. So therefore, the, the business side of things starts to grind to a bit of a halt, doesn't it? Well, to, to some degree, it is the business. Um, mm. You know, there's a, it's a, it's been a changing uh, you know forever changing landscape with regard to you know, what record sales do. And, and thank God the, the majority of uh, the people that support metal um, like to hold physical product, but it's still not the era of the record royalty for a mid-level band. It just doesn't, you know, almost doesn't exist. I mean, there's, there's obviously, there's coin there, uh, but there's not big dollars there. Uh, so, so to have your business run, um, and if it's a business you love, like I very much love this one, you have to be on the road. Yes. Uh, because... Uh, Listen, I mean, you could love it to death and put all you have into it, but unless there's a positive cash flow, it's not possible to do. So so, so it has to be uh, done first with love, but then smartly uh, with regard to business. Hey, listen, when you're out on the road, being in such close confines with people, yes, you, you've worked out a way to not murder each other, but how do you not get sick? Because, you know, as soon as one person gets sick, is it generally the way that everybody else starts to pick up what they've got? You mean sick of them or sick physically? Oh, sick physically. I've always, I've, I've never asked that. I don't know why I've never asked. You know, well over three hundred interviews, I've never asked our bands when they tour in vans or not in vans. In your case, you're on a bus, but when you're touring together in such close confines with people, someone picks up a virus. Okay, doesn't it go through the rest of yeah. the band very quickly? So how do you stay healthy? Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. It's always best to be first. That's the, if you're if you're the first one sick, that's good. You'll get over it quick. But you'll infect everyone else. Will be sick for the entire rest of the yeah. tour. Yeah. So you'll be okay toward the end of the tour when everybody's dragging their ass and tired from uh, from physical 
whatever the physical demands are of touring. I mean, it's obviously an energetic band, so each mm-hmm. night there are physical demands for 90 minutes. Uh, uh, you know, it, there is no way to get around it. I, 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 my joke is when somebody starts going, I don't feel good, I say, can I use your toothbrush so I can be second? You know, I mean, I'd rather get it over with. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I anticipate that one night it's, it's just going to come in. Uh, but, you know, we, we try to be as diligent as possible. I, I mean, uh, we have a, a I, we always tell the road managers and the bus drivers, it's got to be clean, it's got to be wiped down, it's got to be sanitized, the filter's got to be changed. Hmm. It, and it's just for precautionary health measures more than anything else. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Okay, final question for you, mate, is uh, I always give you a bit of a curveball, don't I? Left field question. And this one here... Um, I used to like Annihilator back in the day, and they had a singer who used to be your guitarist. I think his name, and I'm going to mispronounce his surname here, so apologies if you ever listen to this, but Joe Kamayu, I think his name was. Do you know what he's up to these mm-hmm. days, or are you still in touch with him? You know, I'm not directly, uh, but Dave Linskis, uh, he's a resident of Florida, so he's down there with the alligators. Uh, very similar uh, climate to the, uh, yours in Australia. Yep. Um, I think the last I heard, he was tour managing Asia. That's what the last oh, I wow. heard, that he was out in the bus. Or, or maybe Asia and he may have even moved over to doing some of the Yes shows. Uh, so he's still involved in the business this year, but, and uh, obviously really happy. Dave sees him twice a year kind of a thing. Hmm. There you go. All right, yeah. Well, there's there's some alumni out there and all of those albums, mate. That's a, and I always give you another uh, a compliment here too. All of your albums are high quality, mate. There's no duds. You're actually, I was talking to someone not that long ago, someone who I was interviewing as well from a metalcore band, someone who I didn't expect would be right into you guys. But we went through, with all due respect to these other bands, so uh, the creators, def, my God, definitely the Metallicas, uh, Megadeth, Anthrax, all of the bands have had... Slayer even, with Diabolus and Musica, they've all had a dud somewhere with all due respect as far as hardcore fans are concerned, but not you guys. Not you guys. You've always kept it high quality and you've always kept it very consistent and fans know what to expect. So there you go. Congratulations for that. Uh, it's, I mean, that's a great compliment. I mean, but, you know, it's, I'm, I'm always really proud of our presentation. Um, it, it's a high level that we have. Uh, mm. We may be a mid-level band, but we presented as if it's a high-level band, uh, whether it be a live show or whether it be um, a, a product, uh, whether it be a song that's being written. It, it can't be just a rehash. And it's you know it's something that we're proud of uh, you know, this many years in is that it's still something that can be talked about as uh, you know, that high level of quality. Indeed, indeed. Well, mate, thanks for doing what you do. Um, good luck with everything this year. Hopefully, we have a chance to chat before the end of the year because you're coming down to Australia again. But we'll see. We'll see how things go for you. But good luck with it all. I would hope so. And it was good. Good talking to you, bro. No worries, brother. All the very best, eh? Talk again. Good, good luck. Good luck with that change of life. No, thanks, man. No worries. No worries. <laughs> all right, bro. Catch you, brother. Okay. Bye. Bye. You have been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series and syndicating for the A-List online. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith and that interview featured none other than Bobby Blitz Ellsworth of Overkill. Thank you so much for listening.